Hi. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Everything is fine. Hey, everybody. Everything's fine. Hey, everything's fine. Relax. Everything is just fine. Welcome back to another episode of Everything's Fine. I am your host, Kyle Pagan, joined, as always, by Mark Henry. It's Wednesday. Monday came. Monday gone. You take a deuce. You don't look at it. You flush it and move on. But what happens when the toilet clogs? What happens... When the deuce returns and you're at your buddy's house and it's clogging, the water's coming up to the rim of the toilet and the family only keeps one plunger because you're at his parents' house and it's up in his parents' room. And what do you do then? What do you do when the arm issues, when the arm strength may not be there, when the mechanics aren't there, when he's throwing behind players, when his feet are pointing inside and he's throwing to somebody on the outside? This is who Howie Rosen was scared to miss on? Yeah, it looks like it. I, I'm not going to completely bury him yet, but it, I, you'll see uh, I am definitely changing my tune. I mean, this is Deuce 2 uh, Deuce Electric Boogaloo. Uh, but I, I, if he doesn't want to look at the Deuce, we'll look at it for him, uh, and we'll talk about it, and I'll, I'll, I'll describe the Deuce in great detail. And the, the first half of that game, just sticking with Jalen Hurts, that's indefensible. There, uh, as someone who's defended him, I've defended bad quarterbacks before. I've had to defend quarterbacks I believe in that play poorly. That's not what this was. This wasn't a good quarterback playing poorly. There was there was mechanic issues, uh, there was scheme issues, there was not having the arm strength to push the ball down the field. Everyone's going to focus on the pick six. Everyone's going to focus on yeah. uh, the, the throw to Devonta. It's not a good throw. It's a terrible throw. And yes, also. Him bitching out Devonta after the play when Devonta fell down, I, I get it. That was a pick anyway. That that ball was it, not getting caught. Yes, you are exactly right. And I think actually that Devonta falling down was actually made it look better uh, for Jalen. Yeah, yeah, yeah uh, Trayvon Diggs read that the whole way. Yeah, Diggs Diggs gave Hurts a lot of problems. It seems like Diggs understood where what Hurts. Uh, kind of where his eyes were looking at all times. And, and it seemed like he, I think he even made some comments that that came from practicing, practicing against him in college uh, at Alabama. So yeah, I, every, like I said, everyone's going to talk about that pick six. I want to talk more about the first pick. I, I want to talk more about that first drive um, because there's, there's two Jalen's to talk shit on. Um, Jalen Hurts throws a deep ball to Jalen Rager after two really good plays. I, I believe we're somewhere like, I think we're on Dallas's 40 or something like that. Uh, Jalen Rager breaks a fly route. He's open in the end zone, has a step and a half on the guy. All Jalen Hurts had to do was put it either in the back of the end zone as an incompletion or throw a normal pass to 80% of the quarterbacks in the NFL would have been able to throw. It didn't have a ton of pressure. That should have been a touchdown. And if it's not going to be a touchdown, you have to overthrow it and put it in a position where the defender can't catch it. But what happened was he threw it three yards in front of Jalen Rager. And, uh, I mean – it's it's indefensible uh, as mm-hmm. someone who's defended Jalen Hurts, as someone who believed in Jalen Hurts, as someone who didn't think it was crazy to take a quarterback in the second round, as someone who didn't think it was crazy to take a backup to Carson. It's indefensible. You can't defend the indefensible. And, and I mean, just not to, not to take any slack away from Jalen Hurts here, but Jalen Rager's the laziest player on earth. I mean, the fact <laughs> that he didn't even try, he didn't even try to break up that pass. He was like, Oh, I guess it didn't get to me. I'm not even going to turn around and, and put my hands up like, and then Jalen Rager later on in the game, just sticking on Rager. So I'm not going to talk about him again. Yeah. Rager. He, he takes a punt at the 40. He catches a punt at R 40. He runs backward five yards, gets hit, turns around, cuts back another five yards, gets tackled. And while he was running around 10 yards back and forth, we get a 10 yard penalty for holding. So we end up starting the drive at the 20 instead of if he just fair caught the ball and caught it at the 40. That's a 20 yard penalty that completely changes the, the entire scheme of that drive. And it's just, it's dumbfounding. We, the record for NFL penalties of all time is somewhere in the one fifties. We're on pace for like one ninety. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's embarrassing. And, and I don't know how to justify that performance after completely outperforming the San Francisco 49ers for three quarters and completely smacking the shit out of the Atlanta Falcons who just went into the New York Giants and won a game. Not the Falcons are some special team, but they're not the Jets. They're not the Jaguars. 
so it's really just hard to understand. I mean, Nick Sirianni ran the ball twice. Like, it's, what yeah. is going on? I, I don't know. Yeah. So here's what here's what I have. This is this is. I'm going back to Jalen Hurts. I want to plant my flag in the ground. Week three, Jalen Hurts gets 17 games. I think that's fair. If he doesn't pass the eye test, he doesn't pass the eye test. And this is me personally. I'm not arguing with you all summer. I'm not arguing with the analytics people who tell me I'm supposed to be. Uh, I'm supposed to love this advanced stat that I'm going to pretend that I understand to make me feel better about Jalen Hurts. I defended Carson Wentz for two years. I'm not doing it again. I'm not. I'm not defending a quarterback where we're just going to push the goalpost back because he has great air yards or great EPA, which I still don't understand what that me- that means. But I know ESPN put that stupid graphic up of Trevor Lawrence struggling and having the best EPA. If Jalen Hurts can't do it in 17 games, please get somebody who will, especially with the picks that we're going to have, especially with the top, the either the first round pick we're going to have from the Colts or a very high second that can that can also be moved. I just want to plant my flag, knowing that. You know where I'm going to be uh, in January. I know Nick Sirianni didn't help, but we'll get to him. Right now, the most important thing for the future of this franchise, for the future of this team, is the potential to have three first-round picks with Jalen Hurts also being the franchise quarterback. And it makes me just go back to a quote from, from the great Mark Henry Jr. The great ones figure it out. It didn't look like a great one would, would be figuring it out anytime soon. I know it's only seven games, and people are just like, it's he's young, he's got seven games, different line combinations. The great ones figure it out. And if we don't have a great one, I don't even I don't want a game manager. I just want someone that I can just root for. I just want a guy who we're gonna have who's gonna play 10 seasons, like I was promised with the bumbling idiot from North Dakota. Yeah, and I don't think anything you said there's not fair. I don't think anything you said there is uh, overreactionary. Uh, I mean, I tweeted out uh, during the game, I've seen enough. Jalen Hurts probably isn't the guy long-term. And I, people were not happy with me. Did people you watch were, the Manning cast? No, I, I turned it on in the, in the in the fourth quarter. Okay. QBs had this weird like fraternity where they like refuse to bury other QBs, obviously because it's one of the most important positions in sports, it's one of the hardest positions to be successful at in sports. But you could tell that Peyton was like this weird constructive criticism where he just wanted to absolutely bury Jalen Hurts for his mechanics, how bad he was, how bad he looked. I thought that was really – that stuck out to me a lot. Yeah, I, I can't speak to it. But I would say, you know, if I was Peyton, I'd probably hate quarterbacks who were able to run around like Jalen Hurts too. But, I, I, you know, Jalen Hurts – I think that that game is so different than the first six we saw. Uh, And everyone, you know, were the first six games perfect? No. Were the first six games enough to tell you he was a franchise quarterback? No. But if he continued to play, like, I mean, whatever the average baseline level of performance that first six games was, I wouldn't be talking how I am right now. I wouldn't be saying he's probably not the guy. I wasn't saying he probably was the guy at any point, really. But uh, it was always around 50-50 for me. I mean, it probably nudged over that in week one. It probably nudged over that at certain points uh, in their win last year. I think they beat they beat New Orleans or Green Bay. New Orleans. Mm-hmm. When they beat New Orleans last year, it probably nudged over it. It's hard to look at. I mean, it's so funny to look at the stats, too. Like, it just, just reminds me of the Daniel Jones conundrum. Like, Jalen Hurts throws for 330 yards in that game at, at the end of the game. So you look at that, and the defenders are going to use that and – if you watch the game, it's uh, those 330 yards were not impressive, and it's not anything to write home about. But and this what is did Dak have 280 some, and those were the most yeah. t- impressive 283, 283 yards I've ever seen. Yeah, stats are not all created the same. I mean, it, it's just it's just game flow, and a lot of the times, I mean, it's like Blake Bortles had like a top five fantasy football season as a quarterback. So uh, stats aren't the end all be all anymore. And I know, like, I, I always kill Daniel Jones, and then I have a Giants fan friend who's like. 25 for 36, 300 yards, no turnovers. It's like, yeah, they scored 14 points, dude. Yeah. Like, I, I like the, the Giants scored 14 points against the Falcons. The jail, I mean, we lost by 20. We scored 21. One of those touchdowns is on uh, a, a, a pick or a forced fumble, whatever you want to call it, by Fletcher Cox. And so, really, this offense scored 14 points, all of which were after the game was decided. So, I, I mean, it's hard to have optimism. I, I mean, especially when the fact that we get the two teams who played in the Super Bowl in the next three weeks 
it sucks. I mean, everything sucks. Everything's not fine. Hmm. <laughs> we'll get an everything's fine barometer one day. Um, yeah, what was that game plan by Nick Sirianni? I mean, Miles Sanders, 13 and a half yards of carry, only on two carries, kind of the game will get to the other. Cowboys defensive line comes into the game just absolutely banged up. I know our offensive line was banged up, but like if you want to get these guys acclimated, if you want to get, you know, Dillard who hasn't played in a while and 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 Landon Dickerson, who's taken one of his first snaps as a starter, if you want to get them acclimated, the easiest thing to do is run block, run the ball a little bit, set the tone a little bit. I mean, the Eagles called 18 plays in the entire first half. The Cowboys had 19 in the second quarter. This this no pre-snap motion, like that's just unheard of. They, they do pre-snap motion in like Pop Warner. Like just, just I don't care if Nick Sirianni doesn't believe in it. Just throw something out there. Make a guy move. Like, I think that is – I mean, it's not like he's heralded as, as, as an offensive genius like Chip Kelly and he's like, okay, you got to, you know – you know, you just got to let him run his kind of offense like that. No preset motion is unexcusable where the only thing that makes sense, and I kind of 60 to 70% believe this, is Howie and Lurie might be forcing Sirianni to throw the ball like 98% of the time just to see what they have with Jalen. Like it could be coming down from the top. I don't mean to get all tinfoil hat on you, but no. th- th- has, has a team ever run that little in a game before? No, I mean, not really. I, I mean, but to go to your point, I, I think even I think Ed might have our, our our friend who we had on the, the show earlier this week. I think he might have wrote a, an article about in the past uh, instances where Jeffrey Lurie had went to Doug Peterson and said that you hadn't run the ball enough. We beat the Bills 38 to 13 in a game where there was like 20 miles per hour wins. And I, I think our run our Sanders and our yes. running back rushed for like 180 combined yards. And. Uh, Lurie wants to know why he didn't why he didn't pass the mm-hmm. ball more, and I think there was another win. So I, I I think these are are perfectly reasonable questions, and I think that they're perfectly reasonable assumptions to assume that a lot of these decisions are coming from the top, and a lot of these decisions, uh, and maybe that was why Sirianni was hired. That was kind of what I said when when he was hired, and I, I'm this is this is so funny because a week ago I, I made a joke how I won't criticize Sirianni again on this podcast ever because of the T-shirts, and then now I'm right back to where I was where I was when we hired him. I mean. We hired a guy who no one else had any interest in interviewing. We hired a guy who had never called a play. We hired a guy who had no buzz across the league. And you look at Joe Brady in Carolina. He's turned Sam Darnold into a superstar. You look at Eric Bieniemy in Kansas City. USC wants to give him like $10 million a year to come coach their team. We made the wrong call. And I'm, and that's not saying let's fire Sirianni. That's not saying you know the sky's falling. That's not saying we're never going to be able to figure anything out. But – it is me saying that we shouldn't have hired a guy who no one else wanted who had never called plays. Yeah, the 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 bits and everything, they they do work. I mean, building the rivalry wall, it, okay, it, that stuff, you know, will work when you win. When you lose, then it just becomes another bit. Then it just becomes another high school coach kind of mentality and stuff. And But if you ask me, like I 100% believe, like he can't abandon the shirt bit. That's admitting defeat 100%. Like, he's got to double down. That's that, I, If he does it, that's an admission of guilt. Like, if he doesn't come out in, like, the Jason Kelsey Mummers outfit today to the podium, he's admitting defeat. Or a four-time, like, t- four-X, like, Tommy Bahama <laughs> shirt with, like, Andy Reid's he- picture from the punt, pass, and kick. <laughs> I think he should come out bottomless and, and bring some Perfect. pants out. And, and he should do the whole, you know, the Chiefs put their pants on one leg at a time. There, there you go. That's a good one. Bury the football. Yeah, yeah, seriously. Like, I just can't. I've never done a complete 180. Oh, one person also said, he wore your shirt. You can't bury him. Fuck that, dude. <laughs> he, he, he got me sales for like three days, okay? He did put some money in your pocket. He put, he put some money in my pocket. You know what? I will forever be grateful. Jeans. Yeah, I'll forever be grateful. But that doesn't mean I can't criticize Nick Sirianni. Yeah. All right, I'm not going to suck Nick Sirianni's dick because he wore one of the 70 shirts that he wore during training camp. Like, fuck off. No, yeah, it's totally fair. And, and while we're on and while we're on Twitter, people giving us trouble. Um, going back to my poll that we're going to talk about when we have Bob Wankel on, uh, the Flyers fans are not happy with me. <laughs> I suppose you didn't get some union grift either. I got one or two comments, but I just the who the the, the yeah. who. Uh, but the Flyers fans are not happy at all with me. There might be a full on boycott of this podcast or any podcast I'm on 
uh, from the from the Flyers fans. And I, I, I was nice about it for the first seven people who tweeted at me saying, why are the Flyers not on this poll about who's going to win the next title? And I, I had to tell every person, I can't speak knowledgeably about this. I'm not a hockey fan. This was born in a very discussion. Rational, very yeah. rational answer. Uh, this was born in, in a discussion with friends of mine who don't follow hockey. So th- this is what the, this is how the poll was born. And after the eighth person to say, dude, do you realize that the Flyers are going to win the title this year? And and you're not even on your list and everyone else sucks. Uh, I just finally said, just so you know, I fucking despise hockey. I despise <laughs> hockey fans. And, and he goes, that doesn't even make any sense. And I go, it doesn't make sense for me to despise something. It doesn't make sense for me to hate on your gatekeeping dumbass fans who don't want to grow the game whatsoever. I, I hate hockey so much. You're not four for four, bro? Yeah, yeah. It doesn't sorry, even, I just think I just think that doesn't even make sense. It's so funny Dude, to me. Like I'm starting I, to see the five for five up in profiles now. I can't wait till we get a WNBA team and people are like six for six, baby. Or we get like an esports team like seven for seven. Like how far yeah. are you gonna go? Like like the kick's gonna come back. We're gonna go eight for eight. The the uh, major league lacrosse. Nine for nine. <laughs> like, I think there's we have a, an esports team. We do. Um, uh, there was a there was an ultimate frisbee team, Philadelphia Spinners, that went to the championship a couple years ago. What are you not nine for nine, ten for ten, bro? What's going on? No, but this is what it is with the with the with the Flyers fans. Like we t- we don't even have to get into it because we talked about it the other day with with Bob last week, where it's like you know we we talk about it and then you just say you're not knowledgeable and everything. It's like Flyers fans, you also were supposed to win the title last year. Here's to win the title a couple years before that. And you want to talk about Jeru's 102-point season when the guy had a one point in the playoff and Sean Couturier carried them the whole time. Like, this is not a Flyers podcast. It's never going to be a Flyers podcast. We talk about the Flyers in June. We sleep in May. We get on the bandwagon in June. I probably won't be on the bandwagon in June, just letting you know. I'll, I'll it's be a lot of like fun. The, the Calgary Flames, probably. Um, one thing I, about I, the bandwagon is it's very fun because you piss off the Flyers fans, and you also get the root for a playoff team. My take on it is that I want the Flyers to be miserable at all times. And I also, um, more so, just it's like if I have to be miserable and these fucking asshole Flyers fans, I need to stop cursing. But these Flyers fans, just uh, they, if they get to be, if they ever get happiness before I do with one of my teams, I, I can't live with that. I can't stand for that. Did you go to they, the parade? No, I don't think so. I, I usually latch myself onto a hockey team in the playoffs that has nothing to do. With Philadelphia, like the one year it was the Blues when they won the title. This year it was the Canadians. Uh, they didn't win the title, but I always latch myself. Bro. Yeah, not four for four. Definitely not four for four. I, I am actually like actively against the fourth. Like uh, I want them to lose every game they play. Seventy-five percent is Hall of Fame numbers. Um, anything else on Nick Sirianni? I, I, no. I mean, what? What? Like Dallas posts a a picture now on their Instagram where it's beat by Dallas. You have to eat that, Nick. You have to eat that. Oh, yeah. You want to play this game. That's the risk you're taking. Uh, one thing I want to talk about before we get out of here. Jalen Rager and and his and his DMs. You know, I just don't understand it. I don't understand going after some guy who tells you you suck in your DMs. Drop the Addy, by the way, is a great. Uh, line. I'm probably going to use that with all my friends when I'm heading over to their house. Yeah. Um, but this is this thing where it's like he plays the cockiest position in the NFL, and then he lines up across from the other cockiest position in the NFL. He hears trash talk for 60 minutes a game for the last 15 years, 20 years of his life, and he and he can't take Bieberhole 69 saying you suck. It doesn't that, make any sense to me. That's a sick workaholics reference, by the way. I know. Thank you. We were talking um, about this. Shout out Chris D'Elia. Um, Not really shout out, though. <laughs> um, <laughs> shout out Chris D'Elia in that role. Yeah, in that role. Uh, it's, well, the, the role is a little cl- too close to, to personality. But uh, it's pretty funny. Like, what this guy said was not at all like, I need to drop the Addy and fight this guy. Yeah. <laughs> he said he'd get a Big Mac and he got 13 fantasy points. <laughs> he was clearly just joking around. Like, I'm not saying, uh, like, go DM players. But, like, this is not anything harmful. Like, no one can turn this into, like, oh, Philly fans. Like, um, like he answered five times before the guy even responded. You're a professional athlete. You make millions and you're, you're quintuple answering a DM on Instagram? 
Like, go out and like go to the club. Like go go buy a Ferrari or something like that. Like if you if you have to be that insecure about someone saying you suck, you have money. Go spend it on something. Like just make about- yourself happy. Like like just just bury the the bad chemicals down for a day. How about how many hits the weight room? All I heard during his draft process was how strong Jalen Rager was and how absolutely freakish and uh, physical Jalen Rager was. And my answer to that is the same as it always is. To every time I hear about how strong a wide receiver is, why do I need a wide receiver to be like the strongest player on the field? If they can't run, if they can't catch, if they can't catch touchdowns, why the fuck do mm. I care if a receiver's bench pressing 40 times and, and has ripped biceps? I don't care. It's, I ha- have we seen one play in Jalen Rager's career where it's like, wow, his strength was really a factor there. He really muscled out the corner there and got his body into a position where he wouldn't have otherwise caught the ball, but thank God he's strong. It just hasn't happened. So the whole Jalen Rager act, well, you know, how Jalen Rager ran a 4-6 the combine. And it's like, well, actually, in his pro day, he ran a 4-3. So he's actually really fast. And then he, he does like 20 bench reps at the at the combine. But then actually at his pro day, he had like 77 bench reps, and he's actually the strongest player of all time. I do you, I, I hate do, it. I hate it. Do you know stuff. how skewed those 40s are at pro days? There it's insane. They knock yeah. off like in like at least one and a half tenths every single time. But going back to his whole like I, I just don't understand this because everyone like he does the same song and dance where he deactivates his Twitter. Then he brings back his social media. Then he deactivates his social media. Like, just make up your mind, dude. And I and I know everyone is going to say, well, he shouldn't have to deactivate. People shouldn't be jumping in his DMs. We're talking about Jalen Rager here. I don't even know what tier he's on. He's not on a top five tier NFL wide receiver. We're not talking about like Devontae Adams or Tyreek Hill, who who there are thousands of guys that that deal with this, that deal with DMs every single day. How many DM, how much DMs do you think? Of some of the most aggressive shit does Jalen Hurts probably have in his in his, in his DMs and sometimes and even his mentions. I don't really read his I don't really, really read comments, but I'm sure his mentions are insane right now. Like there are thousands of people that deal with what Jalen Rager is going to going through. Worse, worse than a man, you suck. And the funny thing is, a video came out after the Eagles spokesperson came out and said, "Hey, these doctored images aren't real." A video came out. And this was before week one. This wasn't even like yesterday. It just got put out. The The, the video on, it's like, uh, I just need a touchdown week one. That's all I'm saying. Like, he still goes back and forth with the guy. Like, what are you doing? You're a millionaire athlete. You can have any girl you want. You can buy anything you want. Mostly anything you want. In Philadelphia, that's like, you know, a luxury item. It, I just don't, like, like, do you think Aaron Hernandez would ever have leaked DMs? No, because he set the tone early, all right? If you step on his foot in a club, he'll make sure you never go to a club ever again. I'm just <laughs> saying, if you're if you're an Eagle scout right now, take, take fucking Alec Hallaby, because that analytics department, we don't need them if we're just the game plan is just throw the ball 99 times. If you're the analytics department right now, Alec Hallaby from 9 to 5, from 8 to 4, whatever the, the nine hours he's working, he should be creating burner accounts. I want 100 burner accounts created. Any SEC wide receiver they're, they're targeting, any SEC defender, any any prospect on their radar, I need them jumping in DMs. I need, this, I need the scouts. I need the analytics folks jumping in SEC wide receivers' DMs after a big loss and just saying, man, you suck. Five, y- five receptions for 53 yards, you suck. And then I have to see how they respond. And every time they go to Indianapolis to the scouting combine, the first question shouldn't be, hey, uh, you know, decipher uh, how many how many tennis balls can fit in a 747. It should be, hey, if I told you you suck or you're a piece of shit in your DMs, how would you respond? Like, if you would have told me Jalen Rager like w- responds to people in his DMs who just say, you suck now. Man, you suck. I would be like, what are we doing? Wasting a first round pick on this guy. Jalen Rager would not start on any NF- any of the NFL teams of the last five years. Uh, in the last five years, I truly don't believe that there has been a top two receiver for any team that has been worse at football than Jalen Rager. I had Jalen Rager wide receiver 13 in his, in his draft. I believe we drafted him fourth among wide receivers in that class. Um, I, proclaimed on the night of the draft that he was more likely to be working in the car industry, whether that be selling insurance or cars uh, by the end of his time 
then what about a mechanic? Would, then he yeah, that's definitely in the cards. It's, I don't know if he knows this, if he knows his way around a wrench, but uh, I, I would say that it's more likely to for him to be selling insurance than getting a second contract with the Eagles. Uh, this guy is absolutely terrible, and just like a. I guess this is this doesn't really work out here, but I I don't think Jalen Rager gets enough shit. Honestly, it's actually my opinion. He, the whole thing he shouldn't deactivate his Twitter. He shouldn't have to. Everyone, Ben Simmons and Carson Wentz are the main focuses of the city at all times, and I'm not saying that that's wrong. I'm guilty of it with Wentz, uh, but I, I would say that maybe a big flaw in our city is hating guys like Ben and Carson who have had great moments and who have shown greatness and flashes of moments that make you believe in Philadelphia as opposed to outright hating people like Jalen Rager, people like, you know, Dwight Howard, people like all these awful players who are actually hurting our chances to win more than the good players are. But we have, because we're Philadelphia, we have to run players out of town. And then once we're run out of town, we have to continue talking about them repeatedly and repeatedly and repeatedly. Instead of just talking about bad players, I, I would like to just, how about we place the blame on loss and losing games? on bad players that's that's just a novel idea that would be awesome we be, we became the town that ran out role players yeah i'm all <laughs> like, in like the everyone sixers was like... ran out amir johnson <laughs> <laughs> they ran out of great they ran greg monroe out of town and and uh oh my god i loved how we treated aguilar i thought that was perfect like uh you know if a guy sucks just shit on him like i, I love the whole <laughs> aguilar thing the whole like, oh, guy's not exactly as good as we want, or let's boo Joel Embiid because he's playing poorly in the 2019-2020 season. You fucking idiots. These players are going to remember this. Like, uh, it's just boo idiots. Boo bad players. Like, tell bad players they're bad, and don't tell good players they're bad. It's, it's that simple. We lead Sports Center today. Andrew Knapp wants out of Philadelphia. <laughs> Seriously, can we revolt against Andrew Knapp? I'm done. What what if we just became the best fan base for franchise players? But it's like, yeah, dude, I can't play there. Like when uh when the Nets just just got everybody who got bought out, and the Lakers just get everybody who's bought out. It's like, oh, why don't you go to like Philly? They're contending. It's like, whew, have you ever seen how they treat role players over there? <laughs> Sean Rodriguez, man. I, 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 I <laughs> Sean been, Rodriguez. We I, ran Sean Rodriguez on the town. I haven't been more proud of anything from this city, honestly, in the last like five years than the whole Sean Rodriguez fiasco. That was one of them. That's one of the honestly, have I enjoyed a Phillies moment? I went to the game uh, the night out or the day after he hit the home run and then complained about us. And I've never seen anything like it. I've never seen an environment like that towards a player on one of the own on one of our own teams of Philly. That probably is my favorite Phillies moment since that happened. Can't disagree with you. I mean, Jesus Christ. Um, anything else? How you feeling, man? Four days. Four days to prepare for the uh, for, for the Kansas City Chiefs. A pissed off one and two Kansas City Chiefs. Um, five and a half is the line. It's wow. Up seven. It's up to seven and a half. It's already up to seven? Okay. So that means it would basically be ten if they were playing in Arrowhead right now, which is, which is probably still too low in my no, opinion. I think it would be 13 and a half. If I you, thought they get three points for being home. It's, well, it's a six-point swing. So you get three points for being home, but that means on a neutral field it would be three points. So, it's, so you get three points for being home. You also give up three points for being on the road. So it's a six-point swing okay. generally. Okay. So so it, it would, she should probably be third. Well, if you're saying that it opened at five, five and a half, maybe that means that the 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 play the public plays have moved the lineup, and maybe not necessarily Vegas. So who knows? But <sighs> the sharps maybe, don't maybe, get on until like Wednesday, Thursday. You, I know, I know how you work. <laughs> uh, but. 11 to 14. It would probably be in that 11 to 14 range uh, for the Chiefs. We're going to lose by 60. Uh, we're we're going to get absolutely dog walked. It's going to be embarrassing. Yeah. Um, we're going to run the ball less than 10 times for sure. Uh, but, you know, I guess I, I will just try to, you know, preach a little bit of caught, like a, a little bit of cautious optimism. I thought we were coming into the year two and four. Uh, so we still have a chance to beat Carolina. If we lose to KC and Tampa Bay, if we if we can somehow win one of these next three games, playoffs are back on. No, really? I no, I don't know. Probably wow, okay. I thought you actually probably believe not, that. Probably not, but two and four is where we have to get to even have a chance at competing for the rest of the year because the schedule does soften up considerably. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'm honestly far more focused on Saturdays and Sundays now at this point because uh, until Notre Dame loses, uh, at least I have them not completely ruining my life. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a bad weekend for you, Mark. Yep. Yeah, Notre Dame plays Cincinnati, um, huge game. They're going to lose, and all of my teams will have, at that point made me a depressed human being. I don't like I to be negative all the time on this pod. 
think you I hear lost me? you. You hear me? I hear you. Personally. I hear you now, actually, but you're. I don't see you. That's okay. As long as you can okay. hear me, that's right. probably a good sign to to start wrapping it up. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't like to be negative all the time on on this podcast. It, it just that Monday was just the only positive you could have looked at for Monday was they get out of here healthy, and they couldn't even do that. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to uh, to see how the line plays, how they protect Jalen if they decide to run the ball. And and if they do pass 99% of the time, it's coming down from 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 Lori and, and Howie. But uh, we got Bob Wankel on the other end of this. A great interview. We already recorded. This is the intro. I wasn't present. Present. Uh, my Wi-Fi just absolutely is dog shit and crap the entire bet. So enjoy Mark and enjoy, enjoy Bob's interview. Uh, and we'll talk to you on uh, on Friday. Welcome back to Wanko Wednesdays. I'm not going to put a lot of juice in it if they're not going to put a lot of juice in for me. Yeah, we're, uh, this is like, this is like the going through the motions week, right? Like, I think everyone is just completely uh, fatigued and beaten down after the last two nights of Philadelphia sports, so... This is like a just kind of grit your teeth and get through it kind of one, I think. I mean, 140 seasons and 14 playoff appearances is almost hard to do. It basically means your daughter is not going to see a playoff appearance until fifth grade. Yeah. So I, I tweeted out at the end of uh, last night's game. Like, I actually wasn't on Twitter really uh, during the game. So I saw a lot of people were actually like, here's a picture of me the last time the Phillies made the playoffs. <laughs> and it's like a 25-year-old right now is like a, a, a 14, 15-year-old. But – I actually had tweeted my one thought watching the game uh, was basically like they've gone now a decade. Like, so if you were in second grade, uh, you are graduating high school this year and you will not have seen the Phillies make the playoffs in that time period. And like, not only is that a complete indictment of the organization, but like you talk about like getting attendance and like drumming up fan interest. Like you've just basically gone through an entire generation of baseball fan in the city and said like, here, Watch us play sub 500 baseball. And that's not unique because like I'm 35 years old. The Phillies made the world series when I was in second grade and they didn't make the playoffs again until 07 when I was a junior in college. Somehow, for some reason I stuck around. I don't know why I gravitated toward the game, but I mean, the Phillies are basically, and and not that they're intentionally doing it, but through their own shortcomings, they've bankrupted an entire generation of baseball fans in the city of meaningful playoff baseball. And it's, it's a shame, man. Yeah. I mean, they've made, they made the playoffs for that one stretch from 07 to 11. Besides that, they hadn't made it since 1993. It really is insane to just to realize we root for one of the bottom five, or we follow one of the bottom five inept organizations in baseball. I mean, it's absolutely painful to watch that lineup last night. And, I, I just don't know how we keep trotting out the same guys in this lineup, like Didi Gregorius. And I, I don't know. I, I guess I don't know what the what the alternatives are. You bring Boehm up, Torres uh, obviously pinch hits at some point, but uh, I just can't watch Didi play anymore. If he's here on this team next year, I'm gonna I'm gonna have an aneurysm. Yeah, when you look at the financial commitment that they're making to him next year, it's I mean you're talking about 14 million plus dollars. It's it's just I don't know how you can say. We're going to go on in 2022 and not bring this guy back in some capacity. Maybe you don't rely on him quite as heavily as you did this year. Maybe you kind of use him more of a platoon situation uh, as a bench type, which is going to be difficult in and of itself just because of the the respect that Joe Girardi has for him, you know, what he's accomplished previously in his career. But I, I kind of agree with you. Like, if your 2022 plans are centralized on, hey, Didi Gregorius is going to just simply have a rebound year at 32 years old, um, that's, that's not a great start to your plan. So, you know, you look at this team and, you know, I, I have to say, I mean, I, I haven't thought for, for months now, you know, really after that one surge in August that this team was going to win the division. I mean, I know they made some, 
some noise here late uh, in September. They get it down to a half game, but I just didn't believe in this team for the reasons that you saw here over the last couple of days. They're just too inconsistent. You have a, a, a hugely important game last night. You get the first two guys on base. You don't score. You don't score until the ninth inning because you're gift wrapped a run because a left fielder makes an absolutely atrocious play and you still can't capitalize and you still can't take advantage of it. And, you know, I just think, that the frustration, if I were a fan at this point in, in the traditional sense, the frustration for me, I don't think would be so much about the 2021 Phillies and that team that you watched last night failing to get it done because point blank, they just weren't good enough. Atlanta's better than they are. But it's that what we talked about here at the top, the year after year, the falling short every single September. Like that is a fan, I think, that you can be completely justified and angry about, disappointed about, disgusted about. Yeah, and I mean, we've talked about the 10 years, the decade without playoffs and and how disgusting that is. And uh, it seems like everyone's this week, you know, loving to joke about how miserable Philadelphia sports are and the Sixers, the Eagles, the Phillies. But at least the Sixers and the Eagles in the last decade have given us things to cheer about. They've given us moments. They, I mean, obviously the Eagles won a Super Bowl uh, and the Sixers have been to the playoffs a ton. The, the Phillies, this is another level of ineptitude in the city. And I, I, I just... Uh, it's really it's really hard to understand kind of, you know, we talk all the time about how baseball is decreasing in popularity in Philadelphia, how the Phillies aren't the biggest team in the city. It makes a lot of sense when you said a kid that was in second grade is graduated from high school before he saw a winning team again. I mean, I I was a, I think I was in eighth grade when they last made the when they last made the playoffs. It's, I, I completely understand why people would drop off baseball. If I didn't play fantasy baseball and I didn't gamble, I, I don't know. Those Pete Mackinan years and the middle of that decade, I probably would have drifted away from baseball entirely. Yeah, I mean, if you really break down that 10-year span, like we, we're going to use that a lot. You're going to hear it a lot over the next few days. You're going to hear it a lot over the next few weeks. Like, what are the Phillies going to do to end a decade-long drought? Like, that's going to be the thing. And when you really break down that 10 years, I mean, you know, listen, Ryan Howard, you know, crumples down the first baseline the Achilles gets blown out in 2011 2012 like you can excuse they go 500 they have this core group of guys and they just aged very rapidly all at the same time and so like 2012 was like a running back year it didn't work out 2013 you could have made an argument going into that season that like hey it's over but the Phillies you know they they had the loyalty to that core group they doubled down on it they thought they'd rebound and it didn't work the problem was, and like I could excuse those two years, 14 though, they kind of like triple down and they think it's going to work again. And it wasn't. Everyone that had any sense knew it wasn't going to work. And then 15, 16, 17, all about a rebuild. And that's fine. Like baseball teams can take three years to rebuild. But then in 18, 19, 20, 21, to miss, 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 and miss, that's a disaster. Like, I mean, that that is inexcusable. Like the, the, this team, the last two years, you know, you can talk about the abbreviated season all you want last year, but this team over the past two seasons was positioned and supposed to be a contender. And you know, I thought when they hired Dave Dombrowski, and I apologize, I know I'm long winded here, but I just want to get this out while I can. When they hired Dave Dombrowski, one of the first things I said was that this team probably is not going to win the division in 2021. This is probably about assess. What the hell is going wrong in this organization? How could you have so many player development failures? How can you have so many drafting failures? And then 2022, once we take stock of the shit show that has transpired over the last nine years, let's go. So in my mind, it was always about 2022. The problem with that is, is that as it sits right now, I don't know how you can reasonably feel very good about what this is going to look like next year. I mean, Dave Dombrowski is aggressive. He's smart. He's savvy. He's got a, a payroll behind him but he's going to have to be a fucking magician to get this team to where it needs to be, to be a perennial contender moving the next few years forward. So you don't even think like there's like, cause I think me and Mark were talking offline. Like we were excited at least about, he put up a poll saying who would win the next championship in Philadelphia. And me and him both agreed like the Phillies, like we just because kind of like the Sixers, it's very hard to win in the NBA. Uh, we saw what the Eagles are Monday, but they're also going through a rebuild and whatnot. I kind of maybe I'm just too optimistic, but I'm optimistic about the core a little bit, and and maybe they could turn it around. And then I go back to what we talked about a little bit throughout the season, where it's like these guys have never won ever. Yeah, okay, uh, I'll go the other way on it. Uh, you know, like 
I hear you. I, I get what you're saying. Like you're talking about Bryce Harper, who again, from my, my money is the MVP. Like, okay. You know, but so I look at this and I go, here's Zach Wheeler now. Like, let me just give you all the things that could go wrong here. You have Zach Wheeler now, who's well over 200 innings pitch. He's having a career season. Can you just write him in to replicate that production next year? Maybe you can. I don't know. Talk about Zach Afflin, right? Chronic knee issues. Maybe he gets that thing cleared up, comes back and pitches and is a, is a nice three, four type guy for you next year. But like me personally, like I can't write that down in ink and say that that's going to happen. You know, then I look around, I go, okay, Reese Hoskins, is he going to be a DH? Is he going to be first baseman again? Alec Boehm, like, He's got some upside. There's some decent stuff there, but like, does he figure it out? Like, that's a pretty big question mark. Didi Gregorius, you know, when when you dropped off there a minute ago, fourteen million dollars next year. What what are you getting out of him? Is he going to rebound? Was this elbow issue real? And he's still a good ball player. I mean, the guy's only going to be thirty two years old. It's not like he's forty, but like, can you really trust for sure going into next year that he's going to rebound? What are they doing in the outfield? Andrew McCutcheon, free agent. Odubel Herrera. I would imagine they're going to buy out that contract. You know, so they've got holes to fill. JT Real Muto, did you think he was the best catcher in baseball this year? I didn't. I thought he was very good. I thought he was solid. I thought he was a top five to ten catcher in baseball this year. Yeah, I just I have questions. Does Aaron Nola bounce back? What is he at this point? Because you can do all the advanced metrics that you want and you can excuse away some of the shortcomings all you want, but like he flat out was not good enough this year. He just wasn't. So, you know, again, there's money, there's some flexibility, there's the potential for bounce back from some key guys, but like they've got to figure this out. And if if it's like, let's make a tweak or two and run it back, that's not going to be good enough. And oh, by the way, their bullpen's a fucking disaster still. Yeah, I guess I, I mean the stunning and and crippling realization of the poll is that all of them are miles away. I didn't include the uh, alleged hockey professional sports team because uh, I can't speak to that. But I, I mean the Phillies, Eagles, and Sixers are all really really far away. I am with Kyle. I would say I, I you know I would place some some dumb money on the Phillies. I, I think they're all really far. I think the NBA, like Kyle said is the by far hardest to win in. So even the Sixers have the best team, it makes that a little more difficult. I think the Eagles are the farthest away. For the Phillies, the reason that I, I do think that they're, you know, there should be some optimism, not because of the Phillies, but because of the nature of baseball. You look at the, the Nationals title, the Royals title. I mean, you look at a team like the Giants popping up this year, a team like the, uh, the Seattle Mariners. I know they have like a minus 60 run differential, but they're going to win like 90 plus games. Uh, you just see in baseball more often than other sports, that these teams pop up and compete when it didn't look like that was possible a year or two ago. And there are so many holes on this roster, but I think a lot of Phillies fans are focused on this offseason and looking at the shortstop position because there's a ton of free agents. Who would you look at when you look at, you know, Trevor story, Corey Seager, uh, you know, uh, there's a big, another big name I'm, I'm forgetting off the top of my head. And then, or would you look to kind of the next tier down of middle infielders? Well, you know, I, I love Seager. The the issue there is the injuries. Um, he's just had a really hard time staying on the field. But, uh, you know, is it just bad luck? Is he injury prone? What is it? You know, you kind of evaluate that. For me, like, if you're just looking for the biggest difference maker, I think it's him. Um, and at this point where the Phillies are at, like, that's what I think they need. I think they need guys that can move the needle. I think they need true difference makers. So my approach is probably to aim for the moon, you know, go highest upside. And that's that's sort of the way that I, I personally view it. Um, you know, but th- that being said, like, the, the one thing I, I can tell you, like, as, as negative as, as my previous assessment was there, th- there's a – I think within that organization, a a realization that this is embarrassing and that it's unacceptable. And I I do believe that that there are people in that organization that desperately want to win. Um, I think that the pressure exists within that organization to win. And I I think that there's going to be a desire and a want to to be aggressive to try to fix this and finally end this drought. You know, and as a fan, like that's somewhat reassuring, you know, Um, the fact that the Phillies haven't been able to do that in the past, the fact that they've they failed so miserably in terms of the people that they've hired and, and that they've kind of tasked with making these rebuilds and trying to push this team over the top, you know, that that kind of gives you some pause. But I really don't think that the Phillies are going to sit back this offseason and say, like, hey, you know what, at least we had a winning record. 
you know, assuming that they win one more game, which who the hell knows? What if they don't? What if they don't have a winning record? Uh, well, if they, if they don't have a winning record, my over 81 and a half bet is going to be one of the saddest of all time. Yeah, that's going to be a that might be worth it for a story alone, depending on how much you put on it. But, um, I mean, yeah, so I will say that I, I really do believe that the Phillies are going to be aggressive, they're going to try, you know. Maybe this will be the year that they uh, break the uh, tax threshold. Who, who knows? But um, I, I do think that there's definitely an awareness in that organization that this is this is utterly unacceptable. And, and real quick, if I had to make you pick from that poll, what are what are you saying, Bob? Well, after Monday night, I would tell you that it's not <laughs> the Eagles. Uh, um, you know, I actually just to kind of like change the subject for a second, like you know that was that was about as ugly as it gets. But I don't think you can you can totally indict a coach and a quarterback after after three games but that was pretty sobering the other night so you know I don't trust the Sixers the Sixers are a soap opera um so yeah like I mean not that I have any confidence that the Phillies are going to win a world series in like 2023 or anything but yeah when you consider the the financial resources the the small core of guys that they have that you, you have to like quite a bit prob- probably the Phillies I mean but my god yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, I will say, like, uh, since Kyle dropped off over there, I, I would say that the reason for optimism, uh, they're obviously, I mean, can Wheeler repeat this year? Probably not. I mean, that he probably can't have as good of a year as he had this year. Can Ranger Suarez pitch to, you know, a 1.5 ERA or whatever he's doing as a starter? Probably not. But you do have to hope that guys like Nola can turn it around, which we which we touched on. You have to hope that we get the first couple starts of Kyle Gibson instead of the recent couple starts of Kyle Gibson but yeah it's gonna take some moves it's gonna take a couple guys adding to the lineup a couple guys in the bullpen I I do think that where we're sitting rotation wise I think is probably where we'll be sitting uh in March or April uh but there I think there are reasons to be optimistic but there's plenty more to be pessimistic obviously I'd like to see them bring in one more depth piece in that rotation. I mean, obviously, I'd love to see them bring in, uh, you know, a front of the, you know, front of the rotation guy and really just go all in and and try to beat you with the starting pitching. But they have enough there. Like if Kyle Gibson, Zach Eflin fill out as your four fives next year, you know, and you kind of hope that Ranger Suarez is is going to be that number three type and that nola bounces back with wheeler that's a decent starting rotation like you can build off of that and you know honestly if, if they fix the lineup and they fix some of the bullpen issues and better position themselves for the middle of the season to be in it you can always kind of go out and add another starter if need be and try to push yourselves over the top but I would like to see them go out and add another guy, another depth piece at the very least, just because you don't know what Zach Eflin's timetable is going to be. You don't know how he's going, you know, his level of effectiveness when he does come back. And you saw this down the stretch this year. The Phillies were were a starting pitcher short. You know, they've gotten some pretty good performances out of certain guys. And I know that they've even gotten away with some of these bullpen games. But, you know, if, if they had one more guy that you could turn to in this rotation, I think it would have made a big difference for them. Um, but when you look at the priorities across the board and say like, well, what's the most important thing for them to do? You know, for me, it's, it's not just addressing the offense. Like I think that they need one more at, at the least one more premium bat, like one more guy that you can stick in that lineup and say like, Hey, you know, this is somebody that you're gonna have to deal with every single night, lefties, righties. It doesn't matter. Um, you know, if, if, Reese Hoskins is your third or fourth best hitter. JT Realmuto is your third or fourth best hitter. I think that you're in pretty good shape. But when you're asking Reese Hoskins or Realmuto to be your second best hitter, um, that just that lineup's just a little too short for me. Um, and so I don't know if that comes by way of shortstop, you know, with some of the names you talked about earlier. If it comes by a way of adding like a premium outfielder, which I think they sorely need. I think that they really need another, you know, A grade outfielder. And then you have to finally figure out, and it doesn't have to be with big dollars. It doesn't have to be able to, you know, you don't have to go buy the the, the priciest guy on the market, but you've got to make some savvy moves to try to reshape that bullpen yet again. Uh, You just, you've got to figure that out because you just can't, you know, we talk about 34 blown saves, major league records, all that stuff, but you just have to be functional. You know, you have to be competent. You have to be functional and they have to get it to a a place where they're at least league average. I mean, uh, talking about a guy that they just brought back up with Alec Boehm, I have been on record here. Uh, I'm not very optimistic on Boehm. I kind of, I'm pretty, I'm pretty 
bearish on him. I, I guess I, I don't think that he's ever really going to have enough pop to make the defense worth it. Uh, I, I'm kind of nervous about the power hitting. What do you think the likelihood is that he's traded this offseason at all? Do you think that there's any chance that they try to use him as a piece to go and get another hitter to, to that they can lock into the lineup? And maybe you, you trade him to a team that's kind of rebuilding a little bit? Or is this a guy that's here for the long haul, you think? Yeah, so it's like when you let's like talk about him. It's it's a good question. And you know, I am a believer that he cannot play long term defensively at third base. Like if you tell me that he's going to be your third baseman from a defensive standpoint, to me that's like a non starter. I just I don't think it's because he um, you know, he doesn't care. I, I think that he works his butt off. I, I think that he has like those, you know, the, the the makeup and the desire and the will and all that stuff, but um, I just don't think that the range is there. I don't think that the hands, I mean, certainly I don't believe that the hands are there. Um, so I just don't think he's a third baseman. So then what does that mean? You know, like I know people are like, go run him out there in left field and it'll all be fixed. Like, does he have the athleticism to, to, you know, be the fair minimum competent left fielder? Maybe, but like, there's just no guarantee that you can just jam a guy out in left field and all of a sudden it's going to work. Like it, we saw that with Reese Hoskins a few years ago and, and granted Alec Bohm's a better athlete, you know, in terms of just pure athleticism than, than Reese Hoskins is, but there's no guarantee that that's going to work. Um, and then what? So then you shift him across the infield to first base, his bat, his power, as you said, I don't think plays there. You know, I, you know, you have to have that power component to your game as a first baseman and he does not have that. Um, and then it's, it's same thing, DH. Like, I don't think that the bat plays as a DH. Like, you need a guy that's going to hit 25, 30, 35 home runs playing in the corner infield, you know, corner outfield DH-type slots here. So do I think that Alec Boehm is better than he was this year offensively? I do. Like, my upside for him, like what I think he could eventually materialize into is a, you know, a 280 guy, maybe hits 20 home runs you know, has a decent approach at the plate is a serviceable major league hitter. Like, I don't think that the guy is a minor leaguer. I don't think he's a total bust, but I just don't know where he fits in with this team. So could he be packaged in a bigger deal with whether it's with other prospects? Maybe, but I don't think you could trade him and get back to this headline piece. That's ultimately going to make you better, but is he still an intriguing prospect? You know, and I use the word prospect lightly. He's been up here for two years now. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't completely write him off. I think that he's much better than what we saw this year, but I just don't see his fit right now with this team. I'm, I'm just at the point with him where it's like, uh, we, we obviously, we just talked about all the positions we want him to play or if he could play them. We're just, we're doing a lot to get a guy on the field who doesn't walk or hit for power. And I, I know that, He's a he has a really good really good batting average. It's just with his play style and how bad he is defensively, how bad he is at, at you know not having a good OPS even when he's batting over 300. The guy has to hit like 330. It feels like to to be what he can be for this team, and that's a that's a big ask. Yeah, when you look at the size and and what, his stature, like you would expect there to be uh, a little bit more pop, you know. And and I think that that's one of the things that the Phillies have to evaluate, like can they unlock that this year? You know, this off season when they, when they sit down with him, like, Hey, we've got to get you to a place where, and I know that nobody wants to hear this in this city because like we've, we've gone through like the launch angle and, and the, the prioritization of, of pop and gap power. And, but I do wonder if they can sit down and kind of say like, listen, we need to sort of rework your profile a little bit and try to get you to, to be a 25 home run guy. I mean, you're talking about a really polished hitter that was taken in the top five of the draft for a reason like this, there are tools there. There are things there, but can they unlock that? And if you're doubtful or you're skeptical about their ability to, to unlock his, his potential that you're certainly justified. And interestingly enough, by the way, as I watch Kyle jump on and fade off, I'm just, I'm curious. And like, here he is, he's back. Like I want to ask you now before you drop off again, although I think you just froze even as I'm asking <laughs> Are you using like AOL 3.0 dial up over there? Like, what the hell is going dude, on, dude? Dude, instead of instead of the Phillies, like Comcast donating to the Phillies every time someone throws ninety five miles or, or or higher, how about the Phillies donate to Comcast and get some more damn fucking towers so we can get some Wi Fi in this bitch? It's ridiculous. 
are you like on in an underground bunker like <laughs> where like what why does your internet like my internet will go out like once a month but like this has been like i feel like you're like overseas right now like reporting on a boat in the middle of nowhere like <laughs> listen this is the grind you have to do to become a successful podcaster where then you can get real internet okay you look, you look i like a just war- yelled at my buddy I you look like a my war- i can't even, i don't even know if you can hear me I, I, I you can hear me right now. I can hear you. you you're I actually, just said to my roommate, I said, we're upgrading, okay? I don't know what you care. I don't care what you say. We're upgrading, okay? Yeah, you can skip Taco Bell <laughs> twice a week to upgrade the uh, gig speed on the internet. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, you pay all this damn money to Comcast, and it's like they just, just craps the hell out. I mean, I am in, like, the, the, the northernmost part, I guess, from the uh, router. But I don't know. Before I drop off again. Bob, what was your favorite part of the season? Was it the uh, their ability to stay close to 500? Was it uh, Vinny V's fat shaming video? Maybe the fact that uh, billions of dollars of science and manpower went into a vaccine that they just questioned the whole time. What was your favorite <laughs> Philly season? The end. <laughs> maybe, okay, maybe that's not bad. Maybe last night. Um, opening day. I loved opening day. You know, you're optimistic. It's a fresh season of baseball. Things are looking good. Um, you know, like that was that was fun. Yeah, man, this this team was tough. You know, your point. Like this was a tough team to cover in that like you just you kind of knew. Like you kind of just knew that this team was going to win somewhere between like 80 and 84 games and that they they weren't going to be a, a real contender and you knew that they weren't going to be bad enough to just fall out of it like sometimes as a fan sometimes as like a writer you you just want to see one extreme or the other you know you want to see them go on the run because that's fun or you want to just see all hell break loose because then you you kind of get to detonate everything um their their commitment like a magnetic force to the 500 mark though uh it made things difficult right like you kind of constantly were writing the same thing which was like they're not very good but like they have a chance like so um yeah i mean the covid stuff though was certainly interesting from a writing standpoint uh but man like it was just there weren't a lot of like moments where you sat down and said like what a fun team to to cover one way or the other hey man we'll, we'll always have that met series but uh the, I mean, for me, the most fun moment of the season was taking first five unders in Ranger Suarez starts. That Ranger Suarez breakout is the face of Philadelphia sports. I mean, uh, that's we'll all remember where we were for that. Yeah, you know what's crazy? I'll say, like, I was wrong a lot. Like, I think in the end, like, my take that you know, I came back off of paternity leave and the first thing I wrote was basically an obituary. And it was like, thanks for coming out, Phils. That's the end. You know, and they made me look dumb for like about 10 days. They got back into it. And I said, you know, hey, I'll gladly, I'll gladly put pie in my face on this one. You know, I'll be the first to tweet out that article and say I was wrong at freaking cold takes, you know. But I think that in the end, like I kind of had the this this ending pegged a little bit, but I was wrong quite a bit throughout the course of the season. You know, Ranger Suarez is, is one of the things I'm really wrong about. Um, you know, I was like, hey, you know, you finally have a, a viable bullpen option here, somebody that you can trust. You know, I don't know if, if he has the repertoire at this point to, to be an effective starter. And I couldn't have been more wrong about that. Um, you know, and so really, if you're like a Phillies fan and you're like, what's one of the things I can really feel good about after this season? You know, it probably is Ranger Suarez. You know, there's no guarantee that he's just going to come back and, and be as productive or even in the same neighborhood. But like, I think you can look at him and say, like, th- we finally have a left-hander in this rotation that you can feel pretty good about. Um, and, and, and that's a, a hell of a development for the Phillies because I don't think that he was even on their radar as this type of option at the start of the year. I, I think it's pretty crazy that you can say our two huge signings have worked out as well as possible or even better than expected with, in Wheeler's case. We turned in, we turned a closer and a middle reliever into like an elite, elite starter, at least his stats this year. And it's just a season of extremes because you look at those extremes and then you look at the other extremes. Aaron Nola had a worse season than we could have ever expected. Kyle Gibson completely fell apart. Alec Boehm, uh, we're at a point where he he was a rookie of the year candidate last year. Now I'm trying to trade him. So it's just <laughs> D.D. Gregorius had an amazing 60-game season. He's terrible this year. Like, it is just – there's nothing in the middle about the Phillies. Like, there is nothing that's just okay, that's just average. Everything either sucks or has been awesome. 
yeah, the, it's just like the stars didn't align for this group. Like you had you had some performances and some things go really well that if I would have told you in the beginning of the year these things would have happened, you would have been like, well, they're gonna they're gonna make the playoffs. If I would have told you Zach Wheeler was gonna have a borderline Cy Young type season that Bryce Harper could conceivably win the MVP award, you know that Reese Hoskins was going to have 30 some home runs kind of like, you know, in the beginning of August, like, or, or, you know, be trending that way where he could be a potentially 40 plus home run guy. You know, you would have said like, well, shit, like this team's going to win 90 plus games, but they just to get the seasons they got from Nola, from Gregorius, you know, the, the outfield issues that they've had, the Andrew McCutcheon looking like a borderline top five player at times offensively, and then looking like a borderline bottom five player offensively. The, the fact that they really never got true, legit, sustained production in center field. You know, Odubel Herrera was a fine stopgap type player, but, you know, not a difference maker. And then even Gene Segura, you know, I, if I would have told you that he would hit around 300 for the majority of the season, you would have felt great about that. But the, the stars just did not align for this team. Kyle, can you hear us? I don't know if we have Kyle. I mean, he's moving around. The video quality is pretty crisp at this point. Great video quality. This live stream has been reminiscent of a whole entire Philly season. I'm like holding the phone to a window like I'm in 2009 right now trying to make a call after 9 p.m. because texts and calls are free. <laughs> I don't even know if you can hear me. Uh, we can hear you. We got you well here, man. Like. I'll, I'll tell you what, we've been holding it down while you're trying to figure out your dial-up connection. So. You guys sound like robots from, like, Transformers right now. So, Mark, if you don't have anything else, I, I don't even know if you can hear me. You can just wrap it up and, and send it out. Thanks, Bob, for coming on. Really appreciate it, buddy. <laughs> Go birds. Go yeah. Phils. Poor, poor Kyle, man. We'll, we'll talk to you next week, maybe. We'll we'll do a, a season recap. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get you a table at Duncan. We'll get you the Wi-Fi password, and, and I think next week will go a lot better. You might have to, like, you know, you might have to whip up a couple I'm of leaving. Uh, this cappuccinos. Is ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> everything, everything was not fine today. On, on <laughs> God. He, he's like completely just exasperated. He's, he's like just – he looked like he was shot there, you know? A, a man sells a couple hundred shirts and he just loses his absolute ability to, to keep connect his Wi-Fi under check. Yeah, just even to connect to the internet. Now, let me ask you something <laughs> real quick before before I get out of here. So, like, you guys are doing this show. Uh, I do listen occasionally. Um, do, do you have to kind of battle that, that, that little – that issue on a daily basis? Like, how many stops and starts are you guys doing to put your show together? I'd say it's every other pod. I'd say it's every other pod, but I, it's most of the time it's like, I'm usually just going on a long soliloquy about something that I hate or whatever it is. So most of the time that he drops off, he's back on before I finish my thought anyway. But this time was, uh, this was a war. He didn't, yeah. he didn't win the, <laughs> he didn't win the battle, but uh, I don't know if he won the war either. Yeah, here he is. He's back again. He's shaking his head. And I, he, I can't even hear him now. I mean, whatever. <laughs> Anyway, uh, yeah, I mean, hopefully we could do it again next week. Uh, you know, put a nice little bell on things here, and uh, maybe the Phillies will they'll lock in your eighty-one and a half for you. Uh, if they don't, this will be this will be an angry Mark Henry next week talking about the Phillies. But thanks to Bob for coming on to talk Phillies. Uh, as always, it's always a pleasure to have you on Wanker Wednesdays. As always, I'll always send it out on everything's fine. I'm always you know intro outro in the pod. So thanks for listening. Uh, Kyle's an idiot. Uh, thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs> oh my <laughs> god bob like can't believe your wife <laughs> he's like floored by it it's ridiculous no that's you pay all it's this goddamn money for the damn wi-fi and it's just like <laughs> no my roommate thinks i'm talking to him now no no <laughs> no jim i'm not talking to you sorry you pay all this fucking money for the Wi-Fi. And now I am in the northernmost region of the house, okay? I'm the farthest you could possibly get from the Wi-Fi. But sorry, sorry, I expect it to work. That's that's on me, I guess. Well, I, you know, I just don't know how you'll be able to go into this Philly series and next year's <laughs> Philly season without hearing that conversation me and Bob had about Alec Boom. That's, you know... 
Uh, that's just groundbreaking stuff. It's not like I've said the same exact stuff on Alec Bohm for the entire year, and I'm sick of the word vomit coming out of my mouth about him. But hey, uh, you, you have to. I have to trash Alec Bohm once a week on the podcast. That's that's just you know that's in that that's in the contract. Did he say anything about Joe Girardi? Because I wanted to ask him about Joe because I, Joe looks like a dead, a sullen man. If you, if I'll you tell you what, at. I don't think Joe Girardi's name came up one time in that interview, which is pretty sad. <laughs> Right for the best, but uh, yeah, the, the press conferences—he just looks like he's given up. They look like they've given up on him. It's just a, it's just a sad, sad, sack of shit team over there.